listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Welcome to a new episode. Your team's sitting at 34 and 8. Hands up if you thought this would be the case at this point of the season. I'm looking around. Nobody. I'm saying nobody better have their hands up because if you thought that they'd be 34 and 8, we know you're live. Of course, this podcast is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com where we got you covered for all things Lakers. Joining me today, uh, recording this early on a Sunday, my homie from back home in Vancouver. He is a sports reporter and anchor with Sportsnet 650, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's going on, my man? I'm feeling pretty good, buddy. And hey, uh, go Niners. I'll, I'll work that in right off the top. How about that? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that because if you didn't, I would have ended this podcast real quick. You know how nervous yeah. I'm going to be at yeah. some point when the Niners are playing the Packers. Right? <laughs> I know that. <laughs> um, let's jump into last night's game. Okay. The Lakers, if you don't know, again, if you're living in Iraq or you don't know or you don't have a cell phone, I understand that too. Uh, 124-115, Lakers go into Houston, get an at halftime, the Lakers just swamped them in the second half, uh, outscoring the Rockets 65-50. to 50. Why was I impressed by this game? Well, let's get into it. Because LeBron James did his thing. He always does. 31 points, 12 assists, 5 rebounds, 13-25 shooting. Kyle Kuzma came alive in the second half. He, ended, he finished with 23. You got 20 from Danny Green, 20 from KCP. Some good minutes as well from Alex Caruso. Uh, all around, just a wonderful effort. What did you think about, about, about that game, Marcus? Well, certainly the third quarter jumps out to me. I mean, watching uh, the end of the second quarter, certainly, and Houston was doing Houston things, and James Harden was kind of doing James Harden things. And then, you know, once the third quarter starts, they they make their adjustments. And, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little later. I mean, doubling Russell uh, James Harden, yes, but uh, the fact that um, Frank Vogel put Kyle Kuzma on Russell Westbrook, and suddenly Russ couldn't get into the post the way that he wanted to. He scored 22 in the first half last night. And he pretty much was was able to do whatever he wanted uh, in the first you know 24 minutes. Now I will say that I make a point to not watch Houston Rockets basketball. It's gross. I don't like the style of play. I don't like the way that they play. I don't like watching James Harden. So I go out of my way to ignore the Houston Rockets. But when I do, the biggest thing was the fact that I mean Frank. I mean we talk about James Harden and, and and doubling Harden and the fact that the Rockets aren't used to that because they have to make you know a couple extra passes down the stretch when the game is tight. And maybe they get a little nervous or something like that. But I, th- I think the biggest thing last night was Vogel putting Kyle Kuzma on Russ because, I mean, you know about James Harden, but Russ, like, we think he can fit in that offense, but there's still some questions. And Russ was pretty good in that first half. But once you put Kyle Kuzma on him, that length and that uh, that kind of strength in the post as opposed to checking him with, uh, you know, Crusoe or KCP or whatever the case it may be. Uh, once that adjustment was made, that kind of turned the game for me. And also the Lakers bench, Jazz. I mean, the, they, they may not blow you out of the room scoring-wise. I think they're 12th in the league in bench points uh, this year. But just the vibe that they have, um, it's, it's, quite a, uh, it's, it's quite a party atmosphere that they have. And, and Dwight kind of leads the way, and Jared Dudley's a big part of that as well. But, I mean, when you factor all that in, the energy they have, the, the way that the guys support each other, there's no, there's no 12 guys, 12 cabs. Like, they're all, they're all together. So you put that together with the adjustments that Frank Vogel made in the second half, that third quarter really jumps out for those reasons. And I think that's why they were able to bounce back after a loss that I don't think LeBron James liked a whole lot on Wednesday against Orlando. Okay, the one running this podcast you're getting over you're getting into all my points over there okay right one, <laughs> one, point, one point at a time no i'm just kidding uh you know what 
Uh, the, the, one of the one of the things that I, I did want to get into that, that you were mentioning there, uh, the adjustments that Frank Vogel made, like not even the adjustments, it was the game plan, right? Sorry, I mean, that would be yeah. the better way to put it. And uh, I found it really interesting because as I was watching the game, I'm like, dude, this is how you stop the Rockets. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, I don't think it's really been um, something a lot of teams have tried to the point that because, uh, you know, and as you saw, as soon as as soon as Harden was was basically crossing center and getting to that point where he's about, you know, I would say two steps in from from the half court line and, and you know, closer there than he is to the three point line. You saw a second defender come and run and jump. Right. That's that's what the strategy mm-hmm. is called. You're running and jumping double team, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. But they, it wasn't. They weren't doing it hard. Do you know what I mean? They weren't coming like blah blah blah, like uh, coming into attack. Ball out of your hands. And then what I found interesting was, and and this is to me, uh, just a wonderful coaching, right? And then you got guys like Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, you know, sitting on your on your uh, bench as assistant coaches who are proven head coaches in 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 this league. And you're looking at how well they've they've done that together. And when they were formulating this, it was basically, and this is the way I was taking it, right? It was let let's let's go and run and jump hard and. Get the ball out of his hands right away. We're not gonna we're not gonna leave your shooters like PJ Tucker yesterday. Two of eight from the three point line from the field. Yeah. Two of five from the three point line. Um, you know they had uh, House going two for eight. You had Eric Gordon going three for nine. Five of fourteen overall. Basically, what the Lakers said is we're not gonna we're not gonna commit to helping and and basically pinching down and and taking away um, you know the layup for for Harden and and leaving the the shooters open in the corner. We're just gonna say all right. Cool. You know what I mean? You want to go into the go into the lane and try and shoot over JaVale McGee, uh, Dwight Howard and these guys that combine, you know, the Dwight McHoward, as we call them, they combined for six blocks um, <laughs> yesterday. And so Houston looks so out of sorts. And, and, and for me, I think that was the coaching because Russell Westbrook had 22 at the half yesterday. And a lot mm-hmm. of that was from fast breaking and, and trying to get get out. And then you mentioned it in the second half, they were just saying, hey, Russ, you want to go ahead and shoot 25, 30 shots to beat us? Go ahead. But James Harden, we're going to make life hell on you. He finished 8 for 20. So for me, that was the most impre- impressive part was how well Frank Vogel did yesterday. But to, but the way I look at it, it kind of encapsulates the whole season where coach. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I think what makes this Lakers team unique is that they're a little bit old school in that way uh, and that they have the size up front with with AD and with JaVale and and, and, and with Dwight Howard. Now, obviously, JaVale is prone to the occasional defensive laps. We saw that the other night against Orlando. And it kind of shows, you know, what Anthony Davis kind of papers over defensively when he's out there. JaVale's always going to have those moments. Um, but he's also going to have games where he's very effective. And again, getting back to the old school way in which they're built, um, James Harden's game is either to hit you with a 35-footer or get into the paint. Well, if you drive into the paint, guess what? Clint Capella is not going to give you the spacing. And Mike D'Antoni had to reach a point in that game where he had to get Capella out of there. But then at the other end, because they had no rim protection, because they're not built old school like the Lakers are, LeBron would just, you know, go to the basket at will. And and he did whatever he wanted. And that's a testament, not only to the way that Rob Polinka has built this team in that it's a little old school, but it still kind of works. It's like a 2005 basketball team in some respects, but it works in 2020, which is incredibly impressive. But you also have a guy like Frank Vogel, a guy like Jason Kidd, and a guy like Lionel Hollins, who we know very well, he used to coach the Grizzlies. We, we like Lionel because he was actually the most successful head coach in Vancouver Grizzlies history. But you got all those minds on the bench. Sorry, sorry, Marcus, i got to cut you off there. Before people get carried away, he was the most successful coach in Vancouver Grizzlies history. Just for you people who don't know, the most games they won in a season was 22. That's right, 22 yes. and 59, yes. the best they did. But yeah, go ahead, Marcus, continue. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah, no. For for the people in L.A., we we celebrate Lionel for that reason. That's how bad the Grizzlies are. We, we didn't we didn't we didn't grow up with Lakers exceptionalism in Vancouver. I, I just want to point that out. But we still love Lionel. But yeah, no, no. They're 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 built in an old school way, and yet they have the coaching staff and the two stars. I mean, let's be honest here. They've got two of the five best players in the world to all make that work, and that's why they're thirty four and eight right now because they can put all that together. Where they're, uh, I I don't think there's another team that can that can offer that. Yeah, and, and you want you know one thing you were you were mentioning you know before we had to stop your rant because you were taking over the host duties of the program, um, <laughs> you know you were talking about the the cohesiveness of, of the guys and um, you know I, I noticed that again yesterday and I, and I was thinking about this I'm like okay they've missed Anthony Davis for seven games this year now they're five and two yeah they're five and two and, and you mentioned that and, and you know I was I was kind of thinking this as um you know as the game was wrapping up yesterday and I'm like okay if you look at this squad. They're made up of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, I would say, is, is absolutely a totally proven NBA guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, who's, as we know, been hot and cold all season. And then just a bunch of other dudes. You know what I mean? Like, these guys aren't like, hey, we're going to keep around uh, Jared Dudley and Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels for the next three or four seasons. You know, they're just, <laughs> they're just parts that they have. And, and to me, the impressive part, like you mentioned, it's, it's the fun, the energy – the vibe that these guys have, like they legitimately love playing with each other, you know, and, 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 and I think that to me is, is a big key is, is the kind of the, the way the team carries itself and, and, and the, the energy and, and how much they trust and like each other. And I think the yeah. chemistry to me is a big deal. Yeah, for sure. And they're also veteran guys, Jazz. Don't don't forget. I mean, you can have a bunch of young guys that are, you know, like the, like we saw the kids the last couple of years, they would get out there and have fun and there'd be you know, fun videos on Instagram. Actually, one of my favorites was when uh, I, I think it was Hart and Ball and B.I. They were at a movie theater and they saw a poster for Slenderman. And I think it was Josh Hart was like, Slenderman starring Brandon Ingram. That was one of the best Instagram live shots that I saw from those guys last season. And that's, and that's all well and good. But what makes the Lakers better with that this year is that they're veteran guys. And LeBron said it last night after the game. I think the Lakers team account caught him as he was walking down the tunnel. It was like, we take pride in not dropping two games in a row. They lost that game to Orlando. Uh, They did not play their best. They only lost by one, but they probably should have lost by more, if not for Troy Daniels and, and Quinn Cook. We almost had the Quinn Cook game that night, but this is a veteran group that takes pride in, in just night to night. Um, And, and it's also, and getting back to, one of my original points of it being the group being a little bit old school, they're old school in the way that they have convinced themselves that the regular season matters. They're not, they're not like the, the, the warriors of, of recent vintage where after they won that first championship, it's like, well, you know, all that matters is that we're healthy going into the playoffs and that's it. And that's all well and good. Cause I work for them, but this Laker team, they have, you know, found a way to, convince themselves and buy in that every game in the regular season is important. We want to have that going. And it also helps that, yes, all these little specialists, the Daniels and Cook and Caruso, they're all playing at a pretty high level. And I don't know if you can ask that of them for two or three years, but you can certainly ask that of one season when you have two of the five best players in the world leading the way. Yeah, you see, here's the thing. And then this is, you know, again, and you were mentioning that, okay, they're, they're, they're a veteran squad. Um, like I said, five and two without Anthony Davis. And, and you kind of mentioned that, how they're all put together. Like, like for me, the NBA is a league of stars, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. If you have, mm-hmm. you have two or three of the, of the best 10 players in the world on your roster, you should be able to 
make the playoffs and, and at least win win at least one round. You know what I mean? I mean, there's there's yeah. no, no way you shouldn't if you have if you have that kind of star star power uh, on your roster. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, they played without Anthony Davis. So it's basically been LeBron John, LeBron James, LeBron Johns, LeBron James, and a bunch of uh, and a bunch of ragtag guys. And the fact that they've been able to do it consistently and, and do it to me is like, okay, what have they done right behind the scenes? Because you remember last season, even with the young guys and and with Magic's dark cloud kind of lingering over the over the organization, they didn't seem like they were having fun. They didn't seem like they were they were playing for each other. So do you do you look at this and say that's a testament to Frank Vogel over Luke Walton? Is that Rob Palenka finally putting his stamp on the team? Or is that LeBron James coming in with a totally different attitude? Well, it, it certainly helped that LeBron uh, does have a different attitude because he wanted Anthony Davis last year and didn't get him. And he was also hurt for an extended time for the first time in his career. So he also had to view his basketball mortality for maybe the first time. Um, and then when he did come back, obviously he wasn't totally healthy. So he really had to, and I'm being kind when I say this, pick his spots <laughs> defensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> of course you had all the young kids who thought and knew that they were going to be traded. Now, uh, piggybacking on that thought, Kyle Kuzma has basically come out and said recently, like, Hey, I'm going to be in trade rumors. That's, that's it. That's part of the gig. Would he have said that a year ago? I don't know. Would Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball said that a year ago? I don't know. So that's growth on Kuz's side because he knows that he's going to be under a microscope every game, no matter what. He knows that now. He's used to that now. So that's growth. And it's also, like you said, uh, Rob Polinka putting a stamp on the team. He didn't have magic in his ear this time. He was able to, you know, take a step back and take stock and realize, hey, I may have to sign a bunch of specialists, but at least some of these specialists can shoot, which we did not see a year ago. Oh, you, what do you mean? You don't the Lakers have, yo, you don't think Lakers have shooting? Oh, the Lakers <laughs> have shooting. No, they don't, Magic. Not with, not with Lance Stevenson and, and Michael Beasley. No. Okay, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it didn't work out that way. But, I mean, you got you got a guy like, like Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley's not going to score 15, 20 points, but we love Jared Dudley, right? He's a good quote. He's a good guy on the bench, and occasionally he'll come in shoot a three i'll do that little celebration where he runs along the baseline kind of kind of runs his fingers along the floor that's good stuff you need that stuff but when you put that all together i i think it's it's quite something that the mix that they have found the mix that they have managed and put together um it's 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 been a blast now if if you swap out lebron and ad for harden and westbrook maybe that same lakers team wins 48 games instead of 60 obviously those two guys change the ceiling of this group but when you have two of the best five in the world, you can take a chance like that. And it's obviously worked because they've won 34, 42 games. And like you said off the top, I don't think we saw this coming at the beginning of the year. No, I, I thought it would take them. You know, I was expecting my, my original prediction was it's going to take them maybe 15, 20 games to get going where you'd, you'd be sitting at, you know, let's say at the 20 game mark, they'd be about, what, you know, 12 and 8, 13 and 7, yeah. where they look really good sometimes and kind of looked off a few, uh, you know, a few other games. But, you know, the way they've done it, and again, I, I just think it's it's the way the whole organization is and the energy and the atmosphere around it, uh, it's a lot different. I want to jump into a couple more things, especially about the bench, about Kyle Kuzma, and of course the trade deadline coming up about three weeks from now. We'll do that after a short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, Marcus, we're talking about, you know, the, the mix of the group and, and the chemistry that these guys have. When you look at this, and, and this is my thing, right? And, I, and I've thought this a lot while I'm watching Lakers games this season, is when you look at this squad, the Lakers have, and we've, we've harped on this a lot this podcast, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and a bunch of other dudes, right? Um, they don't need, and to me, and this is the problem, right? I think Kyle Kuzma has been expected to, hey, man, you're going to be, 
I don't want to put him in the category and say, hey, you're going to be like our Lou Williams because he just he's he's not that good of a scorer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that just that that is not going to happen. There is no chance of that happening. He is he is not good enough to to be able to pull that. Um, but I expected him to be a guy who's averaging his his points per game now is up to 13. He was at seven, uh, you know, averaging seven a game back in in uh, December. And now, you know, he's got his totals up. He had 23 against the Rockets. Terrible night against Orlando with four. Not a very, it didn't need to be good against the Cavs. Why? Because the Cavs stink and he had 11 points against them. (laughs) 36 against OKC, 26 against Dallas. So that's four of his, uh, that's part of me, that's his last five games. But, you know, you look around and I'm like, okay, you know, I mentioned KCP had had 20 points in the game against the Rockets. Danny Green had 20 points against the Rockets. They don't need to have a consistent third score as long as one of those bench guys. It could be Dwight Howard. Scoring, you know, 14 points off the bench, 16 points off the bench. They have to, they, they, they have to have one of those guys step up. Now, my question is, when you're looking at this team as a playoff squad, you're getting into it, not even the first round, right? You're getting into the second round. Yeah. Uh, you're playing against a Utah. You're playing against uh, the Rockets again, maybe. Um, you're, you know, you're taking on the, the Clippers or the Nuggets in the, in the conference finals. Do you think they have enough off of their bench as is to be able to beat one of the other upper echelon teams four out of seven? Or do you still think that's something that, that need to, they need to look at upgrading regardless of how impressive they've looked over the first 42 games of the season? Yeah, it is tricky, isn't it? Because, I mean, KCP, what, had had 20 points last night? And, and I, I think back to Coos in Oklahoma City a week ago when um, AD didn't play. And I believe LeBron didn't play that game either. He scored 36. And... But, I mean, we haven't seen that from any of those guys in the postseason. We're not going to know until we get there. And, you know, that's that's the dilemma. It's that you're going into a playoff game and you're thinking, well, maybe Kuz can get hot tonight and score 25. But maybe he won't. What if he scores seven? Now you're banking on something that, you know, is, is, is unclear. But you would also be doing that if you went out and acquired somebody else. Because if you did that, if, if you bring in, if you're Rob Palenka and you bring in Darren Collison, Darren Collison decides he wants to come back and he wants to play for the Lakers. I'm sure he'd be a fine three-point shooter. I'm sure he'd be a decent playmaker. But we just spent, what, 15, 20 minutes talking about the makeup of this team and the chemistry this team has. You can bring in another guy, but and, and I know that Isaiah Thomas said this in Bill Simmons's book, the secret about basketball is that it's not about basketball. What I'm trying to say is if you bring in another guy, do you mess up the chemistry, right? These guys are behind each other. They support each other. If you bring in one guy, that, that, could, that could tip all that. I know you've got dominant personalities in there, like LeBron rules everything, and that's great. But um, it's, it's, it's a very tricky proposition. You could bring in a guy you know is going to give you 15 to 20 points, but you could also be giving something up on the defensive end. There's things that could still go sideways, even if you did that. I mean, at the end of the day, they're 34 and eight. So, it, you know, you look at that and go, well, easily they can win two rounds. It's just when you get to the conference finals. So if you're looking at the roster, it's about what can we do to make sure we beat the Clippers, period. That's the question. It's not about the first two rounds of the playoffs. Do we have enough to beat the Clippers and then Milwaukee? If we get to the finals, it's looking at those two teams. It's not necessarily looking at the first two rounds because those are the only two clubs I think jazz that can give this Laker team as constructed a, uh, a difficult time. I think that's the best way to put it. So and, and that's where I agree with you. Cause it's like, you know, if I, I see a lot of people who will, will tweet and comment and, and be like, Oh, you know, the Lakers are, you know, the, the, what are you complaining about? They're 34 and eight. I'm like, dude, nobody cares if they, this team can win 70 games. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. If they don't win a championship, it's all irrelevant. You're not going to say, wow, what a great season with LeBron and Anthony Davis because 
they made the finals and, and lost to, you know, the Bucks and Giannis in, in, in a close six-game series. Like, dude, they're not 25-26 that you're saying, you know, remember that OKC team that lost to uh, the Heat in 2012 uh, after the shortened season where everybody was like, well, these guys are going to be here for, for years to come. It wasn't like a, a statement season for the Lakers. It's like, if you don't win this year, the pressure amplifies next year. Then LeBron James turns 36, and then you don't, yeah. your future after that is uncertain. So when I'm looking at this, I'm not looking at it for it to be built into um, a juggernaut going forward. I'm looking at it, okay, what are the deficiencies that they have right And you, you look at the Milwaukee, and I think, to me, I mean, I, I would say Milwaukee, I'd give them the slight edge just based on, on the fact that they beat the Lakers head-to-head. I would say they're the best team in the NBA right now. The Lakers are maybe, like, what, a percent point behind them. And then yeah. you've got Clippers third, and, and again, not by much. And then I would probably go the Nuggets just mm-hmm. after that. I'm not, I'm not really concerned about any other team in the East other than Milwaukee for the Lakers. Um, yeah. But when you're looking, and of course, Utah, Utah's gotten rolling as of late as well. But you're, you're looking at this, and I'm like, okay, how, how do they match up against those teams? Because, you know, and then when I'm looking at the, at the scoring and, and, and off the bench, it's like, are you production? And, you know, you look at this, you can. Soriano wrote, and you could check that out as well, you know, potential trade assets. It's like you're looking at guys like Derek Rose. You're looking at guys like uh, Bogdan, Bogdanovich, uh, Wayne Ellington. Uh, he mentions out there. He also mentions Robert Covington, who I think is going to be a little bit too rich for the mm-hmm. Lakers' blood unless they, unless they go around Kuzma um, that, that, uh, that Darius mentions in the story as well. But if you're looking at that, how important do you think, because the trade deadline is coming up February 6th, do you think the Lakers will make a move to get one of those guys? It, it, it all depends, and you bring up some good points there. It all depends on whether or not Rob Palenka thinks, okay, if it's win now, then yes, we will move coups, but it has to be for the right guy. It's got to be for you know, a Covington or an Andre Iguodala, which is probably two things that won't happen, but if, if it comes to that and Rob Palenka has that option and he's thinking the way you are, which is we have to win now because Anthony Davis is still going to go to free agency after this year and LeBron James is going to be 36, and we're 34 and 8. We got we got, we got to push everything to the middle of the table now. If Rob thinks that, that's what he will do. Um, but it's it's a thin trade market right now too. There's not, you know, a guy like a, like Robert Covington's got four years left in his deal <laughs> at like 11 million dollars per. Like it's a little yeah. bit different than than Kyle Kuzma as far as money and term is concerned. And Andre Iguodala maybe working out as hard as he can in L.A. or wherever he is that he's set up. He, I think he's in the Bay or something like that. But he also hasn't played the entire year, and he's not 27 years old anymore. So the magic elixir I don't think is out there. It would be nice if Darren Collison decided he wanted to come back and play. But, I mean, that really just comes down to whether or not Rob Palenka decides, okay, we have to push everything to the middle of the table. And that's what makes this so, so fascinating. Because they're 34-8, and eight, it's champagne problems. It's champagne problems, but Rob may decide to push everything to the middle of the table. And if he does, well, hopefully it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't, I mean, again, and if it, if it doesn't, the I don't want to say it's like oh, it's all going to come crashing down. But what I'm what I'm saying by that, I'm not saying it's like a total doomsday theory. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is, if if they don't win it, then the questions are going to start arising, right? Well, we you know people knew, and then especially the national media will start having to take. Well, they knew that their bench wasn't very good. If their bench lets them down in the playoffs, it's like. Okay, but they don't also have any tradable assets. I mean, they do have their first-round pick this year. Can't trade it because you can't trade back-to-back, um, you know, first-round pick. So that, that's, that's, out of the, that's out of the equation. Unless Rob Polinka gets creative and can figure something out, like a three-team trade where he is able to ship a first-round pick to another squad that's looking for it, 
Um, I, I think they're kind of stuck with what they have, right? And unless because you got to look at it, Kuzma's a two million dollar a year guy, right? How many yeah. good players make two million? Not you know, me. you're not gonna, you're not going <laughs> to get much. And and that's what the next are going to be really stuff to watch out for and see how they do it because I, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to roll with you're going to roll with what you got and you have a chance. I mean, again, the Andre Iguodala thing, I'm almost sick of talking about it because we've talked about it for so long and yeah. we're not expecting anything to happen with Memphis on on uh, on its end. But if you look at um, Darren Collison, you know, to me, I think he solves a lot of problems for this team, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to have you're going to have one maybe two Rondo playoff games, right? Playoff Rondo games. You're where he scores yeah. 22, dishes out 14 assists, uh, ends up with four steals, six rebounds. You know what I mean? He's all over the stat sheet, and he helps the Lakers win. But are you going to rely on, on him doing that, you know, twice in a series when Patrick Beverly's up his butt? I don't, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where Collison comes in. It's just his playmaking ability. He can hit the three. He can hit open jumpers. He solves a lot of issues off the bench. But, um, you know, when you're looking at... And again, I think if they can find a way to get a Derrick Rose on the cheap, I think he's another another great option because I don't know if I'd want to mess with this roster too much, maybe outside of Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels. Is that, yeah. is, that, is, that, is that a fair assessment? Or is there anybody else in the team that you look at that you're like, yeah, those guys are expendable too? Yeah, no, I, I think those are the only two. And mainly they're the only two because they're salary ballast at this point. And, and, and I like that you use the word stuck. Well, if the Lakers are stuck with this roster, then that's that's a pretty decent roster to be stuck with right now because <laughs> it seems to be working <laughs> oh yeah it's totally effective i mean yeah you, you can't complain about it and it, it's funny to see because even with like uh alex caruso right i had a couple mm-hmm. people tweet me last week saying like oh why are you hyping up why are you hyping up caruso so much i mean look at his numbers i'm like do you people not understand that the basketball isn't all about who scores the most points on your team you know mm-hmm. i think a lot of people have a habit of being like well, look at the box score, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Crusoe had four points. Why are you saying this? It's like, you can't have, every team needs to have, you can't have all superstars and no wannabes. You know what I'm saying? You have yeah. to have guys out there who are like, like Avery Bradley. He doesn't care if he scores. He doesn't care if he, if he gets 20 points or, or four. He'll just play good defense, uh, be a good team defender as in, you know, make sure he's in the right spots in the passing lanes. His rotations are good. And, mm-hmm. and if he ends up getting a few open shots, great. Alex Caruso is one of those guys to me. You, you look at him and, and you know, uh, what he's able to do in terms of defensively. I mean, his, his net rating on the team is first. His defensive rating on the team, or pardon me, is, I believe, second now. But his, uh, his defensive rating is first. And so when you look at with, his, with him on the court, the team is that much better because he's your fifth guy. He doesn't care if he, if he, if he gets, you know, um, 10 shots a game or two. He's just going to come out and do his job. So I think that's where the, the, the good part that Palenka has done is, is looking at shaping this team around guys who and okay let's be honest i mean his assistant gm lebron james has also done a pretty good job of of (laughs) figuring out you know how how to put the right pieces together but when i'm looking at this now because the lakers schedule is going to get tougher right i mean they got they got boston coming up uh on the monday game on mlk day that's that's a nationally broadcast game brooklyn yeah whatever and then you go philadelphia la Portland, and then you have Houston in, in early February. Like, they have some good competition coming up here. Do you think that they'll be able to sustain the pace that they're on right now? Or, or if you had to look at it, what's your prediction for how many wins they have at the end of the season when they're 34-8 and eight at this point? Well, 66-win uh, pace halfway through the year, and everything that they have shown us would suggest that they can maintain the pace, given that they have guys who don't necessarily 
care what their roles are. You don't have a Brandon Ingram on the team who's constantly wondering, you know, what the hell he's supposed to do offensively with LeBron James out there. Kyle Kuzma is the only question mark there because, I mean, and, and maybe it's easier for Kuz right now because Anthony Davis is out. So Kuz can essentially be the second scoring option, which might be easier for him. It's when you're the third guy that it's a bit of an issue. But there's nothing to suggest that the Lakers won't keep this going. I, I, I think ultimately they finish with 62 wins. I think they finished 62 and 20 and then they'll, they'll have a couple hiccups here and there. But again, we talked about, you know, their ability to not lose two games in a row. It's just something that's built into their mind frame, the way that they think on a day-to-day basis, they care about the regular season. And, and I think they're going to continue to do that. Are they a 61 team? Yes. I'm, I'm going to say 62 and you can, you can quote me. <laughs> we'll go okay. with that. Well, I took the over on 63 and a half early in the season. So I hope, oh, I'm, okay. I hope I'm right. But uh, when, when you're looking at this and here, we'll wrap up uh, after a couple more points here, but I'm looking at, the the schedule and there's a stretch where and this is still a couple months away but they go in in uh early march they go march 3rd home versus the sixers home versus the bucks quote unquote at clippers which would be a home game for the lakers we know that um home to brooklyn home to houston home to denver and then a home and home with utah how, how much are you looking forward to that stretch of games because that's going to be awesome other than maybe that brooklyn game it's like you know, those are the games I want to see the Lakers play right now. I don't want to see them play Phoenix. I don't want to see them play Golden State. They're, they're, they're way better than those teams. But, man, that stretch right now, that, that's really sticking out to me. Uh, let, let's wrap up on, on, on this, Marcus. You were, you were talking about this uh, just before I brought up kind of the, the schedule stuff. LeBron James, he's been playing 35 minutes a night. To me, been the best player, maybe second to Giannis in, in, in the entire league. Do you think they should look at giving him some uh, load management days? No, no. They, they shouldn't. And, and you just said the number right there, 35 minutes a night. 35 minutes is not 40. And this is a guy who has figured out how to not coast, but how to use his body during games and conserve his energy. There's going to be games where he's going to try to get other guys going offensively. There's going to be games where he picks his spots. There's going to be games where he, oh, he has 11 points, but he has 16 assists and nine boards and three steals. Like he just, he's smart enough now to the point jazz where he knows how to manage himself in game. And I like that he came out and said, no, if I'm, if I'm healthy, I'm going to go. That's, that's not an issue. I'm sure that they will try to sit him once or twice and I'm sure he will fight it, but he's reached a point now in his career where he knows how to manage all that stuff. And again, 35 minutes is not 40. This is not Kobe Bryant, 2006. It's, it's a little bit different. And I think for a guy like LeBron, that's, that's all he needs. I, I hope they don't sit him. And I hope he, he doesn't concede because I like seeing him play out there every night, but I'm, I'm sure the Lakers will try, but that's going to be their biggest fight. And if that's their biggest problem, again, champagne problems. That's that's what they got right now at 34 and 8. You heard it here. Champagne problem. You love that quote, don't you? You've been using that for yeah. about four years now. No, I'm just playing. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that they should look at giving them some, some games off. Uh, once AD is healthy, and I'm not saying this from the perspective of um, – you know, oh, it's just, it's just better for his health going forward. No, I just think that you don't need him every single game. I mean, they got uh, – it's not going to happen probably Wednesday against the Knicks. But, again, there's an opportunity. Dude, sit the guy. You don't want to you – know, of course, you don't want to give away a win, but chances are you're a better team than the Knicks. And, and you saw okay, – there's, there's an opportunity to rest him. And then I also think as you get late into the season, because at the time we're recording this podcast, they're four and a half up on both the Nuggets and the Clippers – and if you have, obviously, if you know you're going to be you're in a good spot towards the end of the season, their last three, last, you know, the last five games of the year, you want me to read them to you, versus Chicago, versus Golden State, versus Minnesota, home to Sacramento, and then at Phoenix. Like, dude, 
Rest. Yeah, well, well, there it is. There it is right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like give him, give, give him a week off at the end and, and let the guy chill out and, and relax. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh, interesting to see how, how kind of everything unfolds. Marcus, it's always fun having you on, man. Enjoy Championship Sunday. I know you're probably going to have a bunch of uh, beers and probably some uh, Bacardi Cokes or whatever it is you're drinking now. <laughs> so go, go ahead and enjoy yourself and enjoy the games, my man. Appreciate you, man. All right. That's Marcus Fitzgerald. He's a Sportsnet uh, 650 reporter and anchor. You can catch him on Twitter at Marcus Fitzy. And don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at JazzKang21. Of course, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. We have new episodes coming out pretty much daily, uh, other than Friday, Saturday night. That's because Harrison and crew and all of us are a little bit busy. We like to enjoy our times on a weekend. Sorry about that for you. If you're looking for a podcast on Friday, Saturday, eh, you can still check us out anyways. And of course, leave us out. Leave us a, a five-star rating. I'm going to ask you to do that because that's what my boss, Harrison, wants us to do. That does it for this episode. Enjoy the rest of the week, Lakers fans. A big, uh, big three games coming up here. We are on MLK Day, and then you got the Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets after that. And a big one in Philly on Saturday. That's another ABC game on uh, Saturday, January 25th. All right, that does it for this episode. I'll catch you all next time. <laughs>